from recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RiderFlex podcast episode of the day. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. Sounds good. <clears throat> here we go. Uh, Danny Walsh on the RiderFlex podcast. How you doing, Danny? Doing great. Happy Friday, my friend. Likewise, Steve. We are recording this on February 5th. 2021, just so the listeners kind of know where we're at as we have conversations in case COVID or anything else comes up that's currently happening in the country. Hey, before we get into your company um, and all the stuff you're doing there, you know, uh, at Peak State Coffee, by the way, peakstatecoffee.com. Before we get into it, what about Danny the person? Give me, give me some personal stuff, man, especially the Especially, uh, you know, early family, school, and all that. But then I want you to touch on the outdoors lifestyle and hobbies that you have. I'm interested in that too. Give us the personal overview. Go it. Go for it. So life story is what you're asking. Uh, I'll try to keep it short. But yeah, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, grew up actually in the Boston area, and uh, ended up spending some time in New Hampshire before making my home base out here in Colorado. And, uh, you know, early education, I got actually got a degree in mechanical engineering mm -hmm. and I uh, spent some time working in that field before I realized I really liked talking to customers. And that was an uncommon trait for me compared to my peers. So, you know, I actually moved into product management, uh, got another a business degree. And uh, since then, I've been working on bringing products from concept to market and only recently moved into doing that for myself with Peak State. And uh, it's, been an, it's been an awesome adventure for sure. So you grew up on the East Coast. How'd you get to Colorado? Uh, well, drove by automobile. No, <laughs> I got, I got <laughs> here as those, soon as- Were you one of yeah. those guys that, like in the Subaru with like the stuff in the back and you just show up in town, no job, no place to live? <laughs> That's it, whole life in my car, ready to go. No, I did, luckily I had one job, one job set up out here. And I also got into a business incubator program to, to uh, take an idea, you know, develop out an idea to see if I could turn it into a business. Mm. Um, so in addition to like the like a part-time job offer and that, it was enough for me to pull the trigger and come on out here. And I just loved the entrepreneurial community. I've been so grateful to connect with folks out here. You, you know, go to, before COVID, obviously you go to a coffee shop and all of a sudden, you know, somebody's willing to talk to you, a complete stranger about an idea and possibly think about how they can collaborate. And that energy was, was addicting to me. Isn't that the cool thing about Colorado as far as startup goes and, and that kind of life, especially in Boulder in that area? I mean, all these people are just willing to share. Everybody just wants to help each other. It really is true. So many people come on the RiderFlex podcast and say that exact same thing. Like if you have a business idea or you're looking to start something, there's plenty of help to go around if you'll just ask the questions. <laughs> so it's so true. Now, did you come out for the startup stuff? Well, actually, before we go there, hold on, let me back up. Tell me, tell me, mom, dad, siblings. I just want to know a little earlier there. Can you, can you give me a little, little more of that? Go for it. Sure. Well, uh, I'm the, uh, the only child. Um, and, uh, you know, my mom's in the healthcare field and my dad is, he was in the finance world. So, okay. Okay. uh, the business who knows where I got that, but, uh, I, I got that from my dad because he, he worked, he, he started his own financial consulting firm in, in as a family uh, business. And so that DNA has been, been here from the beginning. And oh, I, um, I think I also get some risk 
acceptance uh, from him. He he was a big pioneer in the skydiving industry. So, oh, uh, fun fact: he was like one of the first people. He was the first person to uh, to to build a, a, an aircraft out of a cluster of balloons and, and then skydive back down. So what? You know, he was he was innovating. He was doing entrepreneurial things and taking on a lot of risk. And I think I, I got some of those traits for sure. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's where you got some of the stuff that you like to do outside of work. Some of the outdoor risky kind of rescue stuff that I saw on your profile. That's where some of that comes from. Okay. Very good. Was your dad like super in shape guy, super kind of athletic guy? Uh, in his in his prime for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, are they still back on the East Coast? Yes, yes, they are. Okay, all right. And so you're the only kid. All right, very good. I just wanted to know the reason I like to ask about the parents and stuff because usually, most of the time, that entrepreneurial bug kind of kind of it, it grew in there, right? Somebody, a family member, or somebody early on gave you the spark for that. And so that's why I like to ask that question. So, okay. So let me, let's go back to Colorado then. Did you come out just for the startup stuff or also for the outdoor uh, adventure person that you are? Yes. All of the above. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know, there was the professional opportunity combined with the, the ability to balance that with, with nature and the outdoors. And that's like, the golden ticket for for creative people you, you know you can take you can recharge and you can you can do things and to me that was like more important that i that i create that healthy environment for myself than um than just to have one or the other what's your favorite outdoor activity in colorado oh uh, depends on the season but uh no i love it all any body powered outdoor sport skiing climbing uh hiking really uh you know, uh, a lot of people criticize me because I don't, I haven't gotten into the mountain biking, but I do a lot of trail running. So okay. as long as I'm moving around outside, I'm having a blast. Now, when you go hiking, will you, are you one of those guys that'll, that'll backpack in 10, 15 miles and, and camp in there by yourself? Will you do that? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, the camping piece is my personal favorite. Um, so um, a quick question, how many days will you go without a shower before you're like, okay, I, I, I got to I got to go back to civilization. What's your, what's your, what's your record? <laughs> I'd say, you know, a shower a week is a good minimum. <laughs> I have, well, I have different standards though. I know some people are probably like, no way, this guy's crazy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I know guys that'll go seven days personally, you know, for me, when I go camping, you know, after the third day, I, I need some like baby wipes or something. I take something, I take, I take something to kind of, you know, tidy up with a little bit. And then I might be able to go another day or so, but boy, I've come back from the mountains on like the fifth day. And I walk into the house and my wife's like, Oh my God. She's like, okay, yeah, please go to the shower right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm big on, on the natural, you know, I jump in a lot of creeks and I do the cold uh, water immersion. I love all the, I love that. So that's sort of like a shower that sustains you a little bit longer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I have not done that, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I can't stand the cold. I, like you get in the man, that water is cold up there. Uh, and I know there's different ways to dry off and stuff. But anyway, I'm a big outdoor Colorado lover myself. And so I, I saw that you had some of that in your background. So I wanted to ask you about it. Okay, so let's get into some of your early career. So when you were when you had some of these jobs early on, was that all just to, were you, in your mind? Were you like, yeah, I'm just I'm just doing that until I can start my own thing. Was that the plan right out of college? 
Not necessarily. I've always had ideas incubating. They've always been there. Um, okay. But um, innovation, I think, is the is the uh, the common denominator. So my first job out out here, I was helping uh, try to take recreational prosthetic devices. So those who have suffered some sort of uh, traumatic oh. injury and, and lost a, a limb of some sort, you know, I wanted to help people return to outdoor sports. Um, so I was working for a firm helping develop out new concepts for them. Okay. I was hired as an engineer. I ended up doing more market validation, customer validation work. Um, that was actually my first job. Okay. Um, and then to try to take a, I, you know, I needed to focus on that validation. I took, took that, turned it into a, like a, an idea that got into an incubator. Um, and I spent four months trying to validate that idea. This was early in my entrepreneurial career where I didn't really know what I was doing yet. And that uh, the difference between a product and a business, which, I, you know, you can have a product that isn't a business. And so, um, you know, and, and I spent some time developing that out. And after I concluded it was a, it's a difficult road to, to turn into a business, I ended up taking a job at a business incubator to help other people with their ideas. Um, and that was before I moved into product management. Okay. All right. So you're moving along there. You're an idea guy. You know about the incubator stuff. You're also taking some side jobs because you got to pay the mortgage. How does this, how does this coffee thing come about? Talk to me. How, how'd you, how'd you even get there? How, how did, it, did it, did it, did this percolate in your head over, over time? How'd you get there? Yeah. Great question. You know, I think a lot of opportunities for people are, are just scratch their own itch. And, you know, I, mm. I spent more than a thousand dollars a year at coffee shops and I would always go there to, you know, just to, to work and get my ideas and get the creative juices flowing. Wow. And, uh, you know, and, and that was, that was, uh, really it. I wanted to scratch my own itch. And I also saw an opportunity, you know, we talked a little bit about how, what we have, uh, you know, both in common, Steve is like this passion for the outdoors and nature. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, after one, I took one summer where I was just completely living, uh, in, in the woods, spending time in nature. And I connected and I learned a lot about different plants. And, um, one particular was called chaga, which is like really antioxidant rich superfood that, it turns out the Eastern world has consumed as a tea for thousands of years, thousands, not just hundreds. Um, and for some reason, the Western world wasn't aware of this. And I was fascinated by that. And I, you know, as more of a coffee drinker than a tea drinker, I ultimately said, well, what if, you know, I can just make a, a coffee with benefits uh, that, that has some of these antioxidants for immune support and tastes like some of the highest quality coffee possible. And so, yeah, that's kind of how Peak State got started was just that question. What if I could help people be proactive about their health and enjoy a great cup of coffee at the same time? Now, is this a plant that, glow, that grows in Colorado? It doesn't. It doesn't in Colorado. So this was uh, back in New Hampshire that, that I encountered okay, okay. this particular one. Um, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I'm picturing, I'm having this visual, right? You're, you're in New Hampshire. You're in, the, you're in the woods for the whole summer. You're dropping some mushrooms and some alcohol and some other drugs and whatever, and you're 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 you're, you're you know you're walking around and you're having a good time, and then you see this, you, you learn about this other plant. What do you like? Put it? You start like put it in a boiling cup, and you what, what? How are you experimenting with this plant? You know, yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, it, it, it first I was told by folks who knew more than me that it, you know, naturalist that it that it had all these healing health properties, and uh, you know, and people would taught you know people would forage it and they would actually trade it in town to local stores and get 
Really? Like, yeah, there was a monetary value associated with it. And I was like, wow, wait a minute. Like, why is this? What? Why does the ice cream man want this? And then in exchange, want to give you free ice cream? Like, what is what is the value here? So I actually took the took to Google and started just researching on my own. Then I learned how to do these things through just researching on my own. And um, and it turns out that you can forage it and extract it, brew it into a tea or just an extract that you can really infuse into anything. And wow. uh, so, yeah, just I've always been somebody who cares about, you know, being healthy and getting outside. And okay. I just saw an opportunity that it was so much untapped nutritional potential. And it turns out there isn't just one mushroom like chaga. And it, yes, by the way, it's a mushroom. Um, it, it uh, there's there's a whole host of these, and uh, and I've just been on the forefront of of trying to uncover this diamond mind of nutritional potential uh, since then. So you came across this particular mushroom, and you tied it in one of your passions, which is coffee, right? I mean, yep. I, that's what I okay. Now, when you did the research on it, uh, did you like go? I mean, how many like healthy? I mean, aren't there a bunch of companies that are like, oh, our coffee's this, our coffee's that? Aren't there like a million of these like health? good for you coffee places. I, I don't know. I just buy Folgers, which is probably not a good idea, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, aren't there so, a bunch of them? Yeah. Yeah. Coffee is a crowded, it's a crowded industry, but um, you know, we saw, we saw some white space, which was, which was particularly, you know, fresh tasting coffee. So, you know, Folgers, for example, it, it's, it might do the job. Um, you know, while there's a lot of convenient options, and cheap options, uh, we saw an opportunity to bring a specialty, premium, fresh coffee uh, that that has these has these benefits. And, and you know that you get that dual purpose. You already drink coffee every day. It's already it's already and it's re, it's there's little nutrients that you're that you're getting from it. So why not just make that something that you know you don't need to line up your morning you know pills and you know vitamins and powder and the supplements and you could just drink your coffee. That's that was the idea. Okay, very good. Give us give us the elevator pitch for Peak State Coffee right now. Go for it. As it stands today, go for it. Yeah, so Peak State, we make coffee with benefits. Our, our medium roast offers immune support. Our light roast has lion's mane to support brain health. And our dark roast has adaptogens to support de-stressing. And uh, the idea is you get an additional benefit out of drinking your some of the best tasting, most fresh coffee that you could possibly drink. And um, on top of that, sustainability is really core to our mission. So everything that we source is regeneratively grown coffee, it's packaged in 100% compostable bags and 1% of everything we sell goes back to environmental conservation. So we're really here because we know commerce is one of the best ways to make change. And mm. we're, creating, we're creating a business that allows us to make the impact, you know, allows us to to help with the environmental crisis right now. Now that environmental conservation, where, where are you putting that specifically, that 1%? Yeah, so this year, 2020, uh, or past this past fiscal year, we, we partnered with Colorado 14ers Initiative, which maintains all the trails to the high peaks of Colorado. Right. Uh, but right. you know, we're constantly evaluating the way that we can make the best impact. Okay, very good. All right, so low acid, less jittery. So you're telling me if, if I have like kind of some stomach problems, I don't get the same acidy stuff. I, I, and why is that? Well, what's it, what's not in it that causes, help me with that. Yeah. So first and foremost, it's coffee, uh, but it turns out that the origin of coffee is, is affect, affects the acidity of the coffee. So we, 
we've basically measured a ton of different origins of coffee beans. So in other words, where it's from, uh, we took out a pH meter, you know, some of our engineering background, my partner is also an engineer, you know, we, we measured out, uh, uh, you know, the pH level of different origins and we've optimized those that are the least acidic. So you have first that gut friendly benefit of less acidity, which a lot of people up to 26% of people experience stomach issues uh, yeah, I, with their coffee. I believe so that's a high number. Uh, and so, yeah. yeah, that's the acidity part. And then the adaptogens, you know, they have this, this, they activate the parasympathetic nervous system to calm the nerves, to calm your, you know, this calming effect, almost like the way that the CBD industry has sold itself, like this calming, relaxing mm. benefit. Um, mm. And reishi mm. is an example of this adaptogen that's been really on trend for the past few years. That is also one of these functional or medicinal mushrooms that that has that calming powerful calming effect and so that's what can tone down and balance out the jitters um to be careful i'm not saying that that this coffee has no caffeine and that it's not going to be uh jittery at all but we found a way to create some serious balance so a lot of folks who buy our coffee look for that low acid and less jittery experience Okay. Now, can you, what if psychedelics go legal across the country? Can you put some mushrooms in it that'll also get me a little tip and get me a little high too? Cause I'm maybe I want to try that. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, uh, I can't fully answer that question, but I can say that uh, we've got a pretty cool process for infusing anything we want into whole coffee wow. beans. We respect the, the freshness of the, of the coffee bean and we have the opportunity to innovate and take that wherever we want. Now, is it now that's not all just cold, is it? Uh, is any of this warm brew? Oh, no, no. So it's it's coffee beans. So you can you can cold brew it. You, you can, can warm do, brew it. Oh, oh, oh you can gotcha, do anything gotcha, you want gotcha, with gotcha, it. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. It's it's all it's so far. You're just selling the beans. That's all you're doing so far. Yes, sir. Okay. Any plans to do anything different? With that? Oh, we're open. We're open down the line uh, in the future for for ways to help people who are, you know, out backpacking. Uh, but uh, for now, a lot of people are at home and, they, and they're starting to, you know, there's a big shift that happened, especially with the pandemic where, you know, people are baking breads from scratch. Like finally they're taking an, <laughs> an, a liking to making really good coffee at home. And so right now we're, we're in the right place at the right time for helping people at home with a coffee that definitely doesn't have a downside of immune support, you know, you know so that, that's a great thing. Well, did you go that route because ground coffee is more expensive or something with co-packer you're using or what, what was your strategy? Uh, actually, no. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, the white space we saw was to make a quality fresh coffee. So as soon as you grind coffee beans, and this is where people think, oh God, he's a coffee snob. But as soon as you grind coffee beans, they'll oxidate and they'll go stale. Uh, and so a lot of people don't know that, but, um, and then the adult, the other thing is, for example, if you buy pre-ground coffee, it only works for one brewer type, which is usually the automatic drip machine. Mm. So if you were to buy pre-ground coffee and put it in your French press, you're going to have a ton of fine particulate that's going to end up silty in the bottom of your cup and upset your stomach. And that's why those, you know, so, so by buying whole bean coffee, you're able to grind it specific to whatever brewer you want you can guarantee it stays fresh in the bag and you can guarantee it tastes fresh when you drink it. So, and you know, that's really the, the reason that some of the true coffee lovers buy whole bean coffee. And we're kind of focused on that, that demographic. Gotcha. Okay. Now can I order on your website, peakstatecoffee.com? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I can set up, set up a discount code for, for you, for, uh, your podcast. To, we can nice. leave it in the show notes. 
<laughs> nice, nice. And how about like a case to my home? I'll just drop you my home address when we're off when we finish the recording here. <laughs> got it. We'll take that offline. Uh, we also do um, subscriptions. So if you want to set it and forget it, you know, show a up subscription. I like yeah. that model. I like that model. And so do investors, as I'm sure you already know. Uh, what about Amazon? We just launched uh, last week. Sweet. Okay. Very good. Good for you. So you're on Amazon too, which makes it nice and handy. Okay. Very good. How many employees do you have? So I have one, I have one business partner who, uh, you know, he's my co-founder and, you know, we, we launched in just April of, of 2020. So we're a brand great, new business. Great month, great month to launch. <laughs> yeah, totally right in the heart of it. Uh, and so, you know, and we have some contract, we have some contract help. We have a, uh, some, I have a marketing, um, Zoe's runs our marketing, which she's been, she's been awesome for that. So we're a really small team. We do, we do a lot of local farmers markets as well. So about, about five people total, but um, fewer part-time. Okay, so, so you and your co-founder, and then you're outsourcing the rest. What, uh, are you using a co-packer in, in Colorado, in Denver, or Boulder? Or who, who's packing it for you? Yeah, we're sharing with a roaster in, in Boulder area. Okay, okay. You go down there and make sure they don't screw it up, right? They can't mess up your brand. Oh, ab absolutely. Yeah, we control you know, how things are roasted and infused. So that's all our in-house process, but, but they're the ones who are, who are helping us get it going. Okay, how many different SKUs and flavors and all that? We have three as of now. We're about to launch two more secret ones that nobody knows about yet. And uh, yeah, so uh, right now you can buy our light, medium, or dark roast. And in fact, oh, I'm going to plug because you asked. We're just about to launch, uh, you know, our fair trade organic certified uh, versions of our products. So Peak State 2.0 is coming out on Kickstarter starting on March 1st. Ooh. And that'll be the opportunity for everybody to save 40% off retail prices. So trying to spread the word about that. And, uh, and that's going to be awesome. Very good. By the way, how did you fund it in the first place? Was it you and your, you guys bootstrapped it? Were you on, uh, you know, where, where'd you get the early cash? Yeah. Bootstrapping bootstraps have, have, you know, I, I threw a couple thousand dollars into, uh, making sure I could sell coffee beans and, you know, and then, uh, we launched a Kickstarter in during the, the first month of the pandemic. And we were aware of how, distracted everybody was but then we also like concluded that the you know um, people were going to only become more careful with their money over time based on historical recessions so we said look we just got to go anyways and we just launched we had to make an executive decision and we just launched our kickstarter in april and raised uh about twelve thousand um, dollars while everybody was very distracted so we have no benchmark on if we can con consider that as successful as it would have been not in a pandemic, but, but it was, it was a good experience and it got us going. Okay. So you put in a few, a little bit of money you, and then you put in a bunch of sweat equity, you raised it like a, a tiny bit of cash. Now, how are you living and paying the rent and eating right now? Like, are you doing side jobs while you're, cause obviously you weren't paying yourselves. You still, you still probably aren't paying yourself. Like how are you surviving? Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, I, I will say we also, uh, we relied on a few pitch contests. So we won three pitch contests, which gave us ah. some seed funds of $30,000, which was nice. Um, okay. So for myself, I'm actually, yeah, I am totally, I accepted that my focus is getting this business off the ground and anything else is, is for income. So, uh, so I've done all sorts of things from business consulting to uh, landscaping to helping, I ended up accidentally starting a moving business just to support my income, which was wild. It was like, 
it was growing itself. I totally could have just focused on that, but uh, <laughs> so that was that was wild. You know, I was just getting referrals left and right, and uh, and that was a great way to to help cover the bills. Love the hustle, my friend. Thank you for sharing some of that. I, you know, people. People, they, they watch a movie or something, you know, on TV where they're like, oh, two guys had an idea and they went out to California and somebody wrote them a check for $10 million and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's like, no, that's that's just, that's not how it goes most of the time. Most of the time it's, hey, I'm moving furniture on the weekend uh, with this U-Haul truck that I rented because I need some cash to pay the mortgage while I start my coffee company, right? Like that's the, the, the story most of the time. Uh, what's, the, what's, what's one of the scariest moments for you so far? I mean... Uh, you know, have you had uh, have you had a moment laying in bed at three o'clock in the morning and you're like, oh shit, I don't know, man. I mean, what's what's a scary dark moment for you so far that you've gotten past? You know, every every other day at three in the morning <laughs> that happens. That's that. I don't know if that goes away, but uh, you know, I think launching a Kickstarter for the first time is like really scary. You're like, I have no idea if if I'm doing the right thing. You know, an old mentor of mine talked about starting a business is like dropping an iPhone. You have no idea if you're going to crack the screen or if it's everything's fine. <laughs> or, you know, the other analogy I've heard is Elon Musk saying it's like chewing glass and staring into the abyss. Like it just doesn't feel great. Uh, but then all of a sudden you have a business one day. And so, um, you know, I think uh, the Kickstarter was scary. Um, I think what's been so important for me is having a plan to talk back to my own self-doubt, like mm. To, mm. to like to know that the body is going to have chemicals that flow through the brain and say, you don't know what you're doing or you're not good enough. And you got to be, you got to recognize when that, that inner critic comes and you got to like talk back to it and be like, no, I'm actually doing great. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that, Danny. Thanks for sharing that. What's a, what's an early Super Bowl moment for you so far? What's a moment where you and your co-founder are like, yeah, and you're That's like, okay. A, and then, yeah. Well, give me one of those. <laughs> yeah. You used the perfect word in asking the question. We actually had a professional NFL quarterback buy a thousand dollars worth of our coffee. And <laughs> you were like, spread oh, the word. Yeah. yeah. So that was huge. Um, uh, and then, you know, so creating, you know, celebrating the wins is so important because it's so easy to, to get stuck in grind mode. Um, Cause you're not get the quarterback to come on to be like, you know, put his face on the website. You couldn't get him to do it, huh? Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're still, we're still uh, working on know, it, corresponding and trying to figure that out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, he, yeah, I know. I, let me guess. He wants like 50% of the business to come on to do that or something. Right. I mean, no, I'm just joking. Probably not. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. They, they usually want some sort of deal. Okay. Just curious. Well, that's a, that's a nice moment for you. Okay. Uh, what's, what's the plan? Like, um, do you, are you like, Hey, I'm going to build this and we're going to have fun building it. And it's a lifestyle business or is there like a super secret whiteboarded plan where, okay, we're going to get it to $5 million and then we're going to merge with so-and-so we're going to sell it. Do you have a specific plan? Right now the plan is to get really high quality environmentally friendly coffee out there that also has, that benefit for people, uh, you know, we're going nationwide, um, but we're starting local with a lot of guerrilla, unconventional, almost seemingly unscalable tactics like farmers markets. And right. because right now that strategy works for us and it allows us to build connections with people and go direct to people. So direct to consumer, you know, I think a lot of retail brands used to all be about going into grocery stores and mm -hmm. sampling mm -hmm. out your product and begging the grocery buyers to give you right. a deal that doesn't make you lose all your money. And we're not focused on that. You know, we just want to, we want to help people at home direct, you know, we're focused on 
doorsteps instead of doors and clicks instead of bricks. So we're just building out a, a business of the modern age and um, Amazon's going to hopefully be a big part of our business. Okay. Um, no, no, no wholesale yeah. right now. You're not in any grocery stores right now, right? We have some local ones here in Boulder, but we're, we're not focused on scaling that channel. Okay. All right. Very good. Do you want to tell us how much you did in 2020? You want to, you want to give us a, what, how big is the business today uh, with, with, I don't know, SKUs or revenue. Is there anything you want to share? You want to keep that top secret? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to share, you know, I, you know, I, we haven't even, you know, our, our first full year of business was projected to hit $90,000, which, you know, first year of business, that's, you know, that's a solid number for the first year. Um, yeah. You know, and I think it's good for people to hear that who think that every business starts and launches and then hits, you know, hits a hundred million in their first year. And, you know, we, we know that, that we're going to, we're going to keep putting the work in and it's going to keep growing and it's going to be big and it's going to be awesome. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's where we were at this year. Love it. Love it. Love it. Have, have you had to call mom and dad and say, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm sleeping in my car this week. Like I need, can you like help me? Have not. No, luckily th things work out. Nice. All right. All right. And is your dad like, uh, that mechanical engineering degree, like what, what, like, what do you like, how come we don't just go get a regular job or are they super supportive? Somewhere in between. I think they appreciate, you know, I, <laughs> I kind of put my stake in the ground and I said, I'm doing this. This is what I feel called to do right now. And, uh, and they, you know, I'm grateful that my parents were willing to accept that and, and be supportive of that, despite how they definitely wanted me to get a conventional job. <laughs> now you said your dad was uh, like to take a few risks. So I was thinking maybe he pulls you aside kind of secretly away from mom and says, yeah, listen, go for it. It's, it's too, it's cool. Do it. <laughs> he's, uh, he's supportive. Okay. Very good. All right. So you've learned a lot then in this first, uh, I don't know, what's it been? You, you, how long have you been working on it? Year and a half, two years. Yeah, we really, this idea really came with the coffee beans came into fruition in late 2019. Okay. Based on what you've learned so far, if there's some aspiring entrepreneurs listening to this episode, what would you tell them? I would say everything is figure outable. I think people place too much emphasis on domain expertise and needing mm -hmm. to be an expert. I think so much more important than your competency or knowledge about a particular subject. And you have to have a minimum to make sure you're not seeing an opportunity that isn't real. But more important than that is passion because you are going to wake up every day and have to work harder than anybody else in order to make this happen. And if you don't have that passion that you wake up with, then you're going to fall out of love with your idea. And that's what's going to be the reason you fail, that you don't have passion. So that, yeah, and I'm happy to expand on that. But I would say passion eats competency for breakfast. Love it. I love it. Yeah, you really do. I mean, if you're you know, uh, bootstrapping a business as a startup entrepreneur and, uh, and you don't come from family money or nobody wrote you a big check, there are going to be some super ass tough times and some dark moments. And the passion is what's going to get you through those. Right. I mean, really, it's so true. I uh, appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, okay. So what kind of, uh, what kind of culture are you going to want to build as this thing grows? I'm just curious, like, if you could envision 50 employees and you were going to describe the company culture at that size, what would that sound like to you? Yeah. Company culture is everything for us. Uh, one of the values internally that 
is so important to me is radical transparency, which comes from uh, Ray Dalio's principles. But basically this idea that uh, I want uncomfortable conversations to, to be occurring. I want people to know themselves, know what their strengths and weaknesses are, uh, be willing to, to observe verbally uh, other people's strengths and weaknesses and make sure that everybody is on, you know, first, if they're, if they're part of our team, that they're on the right bus and they know what our values are. Um, and then after that, to make sure that they know that we can put them in the right seat and that requires them to know enough about their strengths and their weaknesses. And so, you know, what, what are the values overall that like things that, you know, we care, we care about sustainability. We care about, you know, uh, you know, trying to use business as a force for environmental good. You know, we care about, you know, making sure that we're spending some time in nature. We care about making products that are quality and innovative. Um, and, you know, that's the cultural fit that is important to me. Um, but then on top of that, I need that person to know where their own strengths and weaknesses lie or else we could end up putting them in the wrong seat. Um, but I don't see that as, I, I care more that they're a cultural fit overall than, cause you can always shuffle somebody around within an organization. Um, so, Very yeah. good. Very good, Danny. Spoken like a, a veteran CEO almost, and you're still a pretty young guy. I like that. I like that. How about some quick advice on selecting a co-founder? Anything you want to share? Yeah, selecting a co-founder is like selecting a life partner. You have to, you know, you have to date. You have to trust them to the core. You have to be willing to go into the trenches with this person, and, and that is it's so unfortunate how many people rush into a co-founder relationship. Luckily, I chose one of my best friends who has some of the best values that I know and I can trust him. And so um, it's risky going in with to business with your friend, but uh, at least on the other hand, uh, the consequence of, of them screwing you over is higher because you would lose a friendship. So, mm -hmm. so I, I can't say that you should go as uh, into business with your friend or with a family member but just make sure you absolutely trust that person to the core and don't be afraid to do a trial and make sure you set up vesting in clips because you don't want to end up in a situation where you, uh, you know, you're divorced, but they still have custody to your business. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so true. What's uh, does he balance a certain skill set that you have? Like what, like what are your specialties versus his? Absolutely. You know, it, while I studied engineering, I learned that, where I really thrive is is more in the customer facing role and innovating. He is a engineer to the T. So he is our operations guy. He keeps our coffee beans roasted on the shelf and our operations are run like a tight ship. Whereas I'm the one who gets them off the shelf, figures out ways we can get them out and get, get them gotcha. you know, sell, sell and market product. Gotcha, very good. Okay, great. All right, thank you. I wanna ask you a few other questions um, about business and uh, society and things that are happening real quick. I want to get your thoughts on a few things here real quickly. What's your opinion uh, on the future of remote work and what are you planning on doing for your company? I think a lot of companies have noticed that it productivity has remained the same or if not increased and the increase has been associated with the increased quality of life, especially in areas where people were commuting a lot uh, and it was lowering their quality of life. So 
I think it's different for every business. We will always need to be roasting coffee and we'll always need to be packing it into bags. And, you know, so certain roles can be remote, certain roles can't. So I think it's up to every business to figure out what that mix looks like. But I think that uh, one silver lining of this whole thing was it, it shows that, um, you know, so we want to encourage remote working as much as we can uh, uh, into the future, but there's obviously going to be some exceptions to that. Okay. So your office will probably be a blend of both as you get bigger, probably. Likely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very good. How about this question? Lots of CEOs these days appear to be like taking a stance on things on social media or taking a side, right? There's more and more of that happening uh, where, where if it's a social issue or a political issue, I see more and more CEOs and companies, I guess, sometimes it's the company overall doing it. Sometimes it's the individual CEO and they'll, uh, they'll take a side on something or they'll speak out about a social issue. What are your thoughts on that? Should, should CEOs and companies uh, do that or, or should they just focus on making great coffee and making sure it's delivered on time? What are your thoughts? That's a great question. I think, Again, it also depends on, on the company. Um, I think customers more than ever care that your business stands for something mm-hmm. more than just the product. Mm-hmm. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And so when those issues are challenging what you stand for, that company needs to speak up. So I think my short answer to your question is, I don't think a business needs to stand up for every issue, but it certainly needs to speak up on the ones that are built into its vision and values Mm. or else it's not being authentic and its customers aren't going to fall in love with it. So for us, we do speak up a lot about environmental issues. Um, but we, you know, we pick our battles. It's not, it's not like we speak up about every single political issue that, Mm -hmm. that is being discussed. Um, we pick the ones that are, that are important to what we're hoping to accomplish with this business overall. And we definitely speak up about those. So I think, People want, people want to hear that you're more than just a company that sells widgets. Mm, very good, Danny. Great answer. Yeah, the whole environmental thing and what you guys are doing with trails for 14ers and stuff. You know, like I said earlier in the podcast, being a big outdoors guy in Colorado, and I go, I go camping all the time. And uh, one of the things that just infuriates me is when I see trash or, some, or somebody went to a campsite and left trash there. I just boy, I tell you, I, I, I hope, I hope, I hope I never, I, I actually, and I mean this seriously, like, I hope I never actually come across somebody that leaves trash in a site because it could get ugly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So let me ask you this then. I, I, I love the, what your cause is and your stance. And I love that answer. How about this? Then I'm going to throw this back at you. What if you were interviewing a candidate? the skill set matched, you liked them and whatever. And you found some stuff on their social media where they were saying, I'm a, my dad's in the logging business and I think we should cut down all the trees in Colorado and, and uh, you know, sustainability is not that big of a deal and we need to put some oil wells, oil wells up in, uh, you know, uh, in the Rocky Mountain National Park. And like, like, if you saw that, would you still hire them? That's a great question. I think diversity of all types is also important for a workplace. 
but ultimately in that particular situation i think i think the answer would be likely no um and that would mostly be because i wouldn't want them to feel unfulfilled in the work that they're doing Ooh, um, and good. that would just mean that it's the wrong fit it wouldn't be anything personal against the candidate um but uh, you know just real quick though i, I really think diversity of all types, including, including, uh, you know, political, including, um, you know, is healthy. I think uh, we as a company want to be able to practice the art of thoughtful disagreement. I think mm -hmm. it's so important to be able to have uncomfortable conversations about issues and to expand your mind with every conversation. Um, but in a situation like that, I just wouldn't want somebody to be unfulfilled or feel like they're on the wrong bus. So in that mm -hmm. situation, we would probably not hire that candidate. Mm -hmm. Okay, great answer. All right, wrapping up here, I want to ask you just a few more. When's the last time you cried? <laughs> Have you thought about it? Uh, yeah, I had a I had a family member uh, fall fall terminally ill, and I cried that when I found out that news. That probably was, um, you know, you you think a lot about health and life and and being um, happy in a sustainable world. For you, that was probably just another jolt to uh, remind you to enjoy every single moment while you're here, right? Because you never know. I appreciate that you, uh, yeah, that, that's true. It took some time to get there, but that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I am. Um, I had a cousin uh, that accidentally, accidentally shot himself this last year. Uh, and I just, oh, for me, for me, I was just like, okay, I am 53 years old. And I'm going to make damn sure every single minute is being used on something that I really like doing because you never know when it could be over. Right. Amen to that. Uh, okay. A couple of more here wrapping up. Um, if you could define your core purpose in life, which you've done a pretty good job of throughout this entire interview, but if you had to put it into a sentence, what would that sound like? to help people reach their physical and mental peak state. Okay. Okay. You know, I, right. Yeah. Help to help people be active, connect, connect with nature, get outside. If, you know, if I do those things, if I inspire people to connect with nature and, and uh, you know, uh, and help with their health, you know, help people who help themselves and help them help themselves. I, I know that I'm on the right track. Maybe you can help me. So this is my problem. So, so, so at the age of 53, I want to be healthy and I'm decently healthy. Like I I'm 5'11, 190. I that's for 53. That's okay. Right. That's great. Um, but here's my challenge, right? I love going outside. I love hiking. I love being active. I love being in decent shape. I don't need to be like a bodybuilder or anything, but I like being in decent shape. My problem is this. I like pizza. I like cheeseburgers. I like beer. I like bourbon. Like I like all of it. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm constantly trying to balance like, all right, how do I stay in decent shape, but eat all of my favorite foods? Uh, you know, I... <laughs> I, I'd say eat them all, just eat them, eat them. And you know, the right, you just tone down the portion size and yeah. Just make sure you're walking. I think we like, we put too much pressure on ourselves to like, oh, you need to be doing high intensity interval training workouts. You know, we, Americans, we like to make everything so intense. The, the, the people who are healthiest, who live the longest, they just have great relationships, extremely moderate amounts of frequent exercise. Mm. Um, and, and that it can be very simple. So 
I think you're doing great, Steve. I think don't let don't let your inner voice tell you that you're not. Oh, you just motivated me for the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, Danny, thank you so much for being on the Riderflex podcast. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button. The RiderFlex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviewing. You can visit RiderFlex.com to learn more about us and get information and pricing on the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.